I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach Podcast. I'm Ashton Doctor, your Habit Coach, and today with us we have Arjun Vaidya. Now. This is going to be a free-flowing conversation, understanding entrepreneurship, understanding sports, and picking up tidbits on how he got to where he is and what is he doing now. The last time we met, we had a fascinating discussion, and I was like, "This is what we need to do on the podcast." So this is why Arjun's here. Arjun, so we have to just like replicate that same discussion again. Cookie cutter. <laughs> like, hi, we're meeting after so long. Yeah, <laughs> right from there onwards. Arjun, welcome to the Habit Coach. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a long time in the making. Long time in the making, but finally doing it. Finally doing this. We started talking to each other during the lockdown. Yes. At which point of time you were doing these insane daily lives, wasn't it? Almost daily Insta lives. Daily Instagram lives. And I was like, if there's any way to think about consistency, it's <laughs> Too, with these lives that you were doing, but we had a great life then. We had a fantastic life, absolutely. And I picked up one thing which I thought about this morning as well. So I came back from Doha last night, probably reached home by twelve thirty, and I had kickboxing this morning. And I was like, I just don't want to do it, don't want to do it. And my coach was down. Nine o'clock session. I just like nine fifteen. I was like, okay, I just have to get out of bed. I have to get out of bed. And then I remember what you said on that live. You said. Half the battle is won by tying your shoelaces. So I did that. I went down. I felt great. Right. Once I went down, I felt great. But the toughest part about that was not the workout. It was about mentally saying, "I want to get out of bed, not ask for five minutes extra, put on my clothes, and just go." It's the hardest once thing. Once I'm there, it was fine, yeah. and I was amazing. I was performing well. But just to get there, my mind said so many times, "Okay, just tell me you're not feeling well. You came back late last night. Forget it. Do it another day. This, that, or that." But I did it. And I'm so happy I did it. Yeah, because otherwise you become masters at making excuses, right? Absolutely. I like, thought of every single possible every, excuse. My wife is pregnant. I have to help her, <laughs> even though she was asleep. <laughs> so I once had this person tell me, you know, Ashton, I didn't go to my workout because my socks were not matching my outfit. <laughs> Those had gone for a wash. I was like, wow, that is like the height of <laughs> the best excuse. <laughs> Arjun, quickly. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, and then let's jump into all the other interesting things that we're going to talk about today. Sure, yeah. So maybe quick context into me. My name is Arjun Vedya. Vedya, my last name means Ayurvedic doctor. I have 150 years of Ayurveda legacy in the family. I grew up in Bombay. Went to college in the US. Saw a move towards natural organic products, and I saw yoga being repackaged. My grandfather was a doctor. He cured me of asthma. So I promised him I'll come and do something with his legacy of Ayurveda. 2016, quit my private equity finance job to take on my dad's legacy after he passed. In a new age way, I wanted to build a consumer brand that made Ayurveda appealing, accessible to modern consumers. So I started this company, took it online, had a good run, four and a half years, scaled from zero to five thousand orders a day, reached two million transacting customers, launched eighty products, but most importantly, reached sixteen and a half thousand pin codes across oh, wow. India. So really built access for Ayurveda using the power of digital. We raised some money from RP Sanjeev Goenka Group, and then. Late last year, actually, they made an offer to buy the business, and so we sold the business to them, being one of sort of India's first D to C exits. Yeah, I think the new avatar started since then. I now run a VC fund and pretty active early stage investor, but also really passionate about the consumer products, brands, enablement, e-commerce ecosystem. And so, other than my work as an investor, I do a lot to give back to the community as well. That's insane. So zero to selling in four years. 
zero to selling in four years. Four and a half years. Four and a half years. So the question I wanted to ask you is, what was that moment after signing when you came back home? What were the emotions that were going through? Actually, that moment wasn't after signing because signing is the end, right? You make the decision well before you sign. There's lots of legal sort of compliance paperwork you do to sign, right? So I think signing was not the moment. Hmm. The moment was deciding to exit, which happened early December 20. And then I executed and ran the business till end of December 2020. And I remember December 27th, 2020 was the last day I went to office. And from January, I was handing over the business, right? So I was maybe going in a little bit, but I was already in the mode of handing over, I was not running the business. So 27th December was the last day as boss. Was the last day, yeah. And and it was a beautiful day, actually. It was an amazing day. It was really, Christmas is yeah, your it was, gift. It was really emotional. So I remember walking into the office that day. That was my last day. Everyone knew it was our last day. And you know, I love cricket. So from the elevator till my desk, until Trisha's desk, we had our entire team standing there and clapping for us as we walked into the office. You know, like a batsman who scored a century and he's walking back and he's holding his bat up. It, <laughs> it felt a little bit like that. And the day went on, honestly, on the last day, like you can't do so much work, you're just wrapping up things. But I think three things stood out for me that day, which were, you know, it was a really strange but special day. Number one, four and a half years I spent in that office. It took me two hours to pack up my stuff. Mm. So, that process of packing up my stuff, I mentally built up as, oh my God, I'm going to pack up my bags, I'm going to pack up my stuff. But it took me two hours to literally pack four and a half years into two boxes and leave. Wow. So that was one. Number two, we after everybody left, I called my parents, Trisha's parents, our siblings to the office and we had pizza and we just sat there and just took in the last few moments. That was a beautiful moment, I thought. Saying goodbye to the team, cutting a cake, all of that. It's pretty normal. And then I remember distinctly the car journey back home. So walking out of the office, I remember touching the floor one last time and then the car journey, like walking down the stairs, getting into my car and then the 15 minute car journey back home, just thinking to myself, dude, that's it. It's done. Like all that stress, the highs, the lows, the emotion, all of that, it's done. But my dad said one very important thing to me at that time. He said, very few people in their life have the opportunity to really pause. Mm. Holidays, breaks, vacations, those are momentary, right? But you're not pausing properly. You're pausing for like a short fleeting moment and then getting back to it. Here you have the opportunity at the age of 29 to pause, look back, reflect, decide and move forward. Nice. Nobody has that or very few people. Are. He said, I'm 55, 56 years old at that time never paused in my life mm. so use this time really wisely next morning we took a flight to Gangtok and mm. we spent New Year's there and then that began the sort of new journey new avatar but I think that day was strange special unique and, and sort of set up the next phase I think that's such an important aspect right because you know I've had uh, people who've climbed Everest on the podcast and when I asked them so how did it feel he said, it's a very strange feeling because you've achieved something, but in your mind, it's a now what next thought that comes up. Yeah, I would say now what next took a little bit of time to come up. But it was always like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? But I think there was a huge weight 
that just left my body. Hmm. Um, it's difficult to explain, but I just felt light right. for that period of time. And I think that heaviness, stress of being an entrepreneur hasn't come back yet. I still feel much lighter. <laughs> although I'm now <laughs> occupied the whole day, but just that burden yeah. that was on me constantly as an entrepreneur, I just, just like suddenly went away. What is the burden like? Like, what is the feeling of being an entrepreneur over those years? So, that burden is the burden that Sachin had while playing for India, right? That burden is that he, when Sachin went out to play in the 90s, when he got out, everyone shut the TV. Hmm. So, the buck stopped at him. As an entrepreneur, the buck stops at you and the buck of a lot of people stops at you. Your team, their families, your vendors, your suppliers, your partners, your investors. All of these people are dependent on you to perform every single day. Like, I remember going to the office once on a Saturday. Friday night was a friend's wedding. And so I was out there late and I went on a Saturday and I was just not able to work. But I was like, I have no option. Like, let me just eat something, go for a walk downstairs and get back and get going. Because if I don't do something today and I just chill today, there's a lot of people dependent on me doing something today that will struggle, right? So I think that that's a big burden. You wake up every morning with emails, WhatsApps, things broken, things that need to be fixed. And so, you know, when entrepreneurs tell me, hey, I actually can't have such a routine schedule at an early stage. Look, if you're a late stage company, you're a unicorn, etc. The world is very different, right? Your position in the business is also very different. But if you're an operator who's operating on a daily basis, it's tough. Hmm. It's very tough. So why would somebody want to become an entrepreneur then? Because the joy of creating is like nothing else, okay. right? So think about it. I was in this office trying to take forward this dream of my grandfather's legacy. And the first two years, pretty much hitting my head against a wall, not getting anything done. But dreaming that one day I'll be at 50 orders a day. And then dreaming that I'll be at 100. And at 100 orders a day, I'll have like 30 people in my team. And then I got 30 people in my team. And then I was like, I'm going to have a, you know, like how I see other big founders do it. I'm going to have a Christmas party for my team just before the end of the year. There's going to be 120 people there. I'm going to get to a point where I have more than one office and we had seven offices. I'm going to get to a point where my brand is known. And then I went to the airport and the guy sitting next to me was like, hey, are you from Dr. Vedia's? Do you guys make this product? I want this product. You dream about being recognized and then you get recognized in all of these lists and all of these awards and Jeff Bezos gave me an award and all of the stuff you dream and then you're living your dream, right? You dream that you're going to go to the office and you're going to open your laptop, read your email and there's going to be so many orders on your screen that you can't read your email and that happens and you have to make a folder for the orders because earlier I'd be like, I want to see every single order go through and then I'm like, I cannot read my email if I see every single order go through. So I think that feeling of creation, of launching products, of products becoming bigger than you, of ideas working out, of hypotheses working out, of people believing in you and your journey and your vision, people talking about you, people saying that you've created something special. That feeling is like nothing else. The joy of creation. When I said 16,500 pin codes, I still felt goosebumps because we read 60% of India and you know how difficult it is to establish distribution in 60% of India. That's a dream that you dream and then eventually you get to live, right? Yeah, so it's very few companies that can actually do something like that. A handful. It used to be the big MNCs that well, used to have... And, and I think, I'm not saying that I have done something crazy to be able to reach there because lots of consumer brands reach there. 
But I'm saying that that was my dream. Yeah. That was what my grandfather would have loved to see. Like, I remember one special moment, my grandmom, we got an award at Amazon somehow in the first time they did it in Jan 20 and Jeff Bezos had come down to India. This was pre-COVID. So he'd actually come down to India and they awarded 10 brands. Then they awarded Dr. Vedya's Youth SMB of the Year. And Jeff Bezos gave me the award. And I came back to Bombay and I showed it to my grandmom. And she just looked at me, she smiled and she said, wherever he is, your grandfather would have been proud of wow. you. That feeling, right? That's that's unparalleled, to be honest. I can imagine. It's that what you're building for. Exactly. And so all of those down times, those times when you're like, why always me? Why is it just not working out for me? When you're the last one to show up at every family function or wedding, people stop talking to you because you're always late. They think you don't care about them. You lose a lot of friends. I think all of that is worth it for what we were able to create, right? Like, I remember a lot of people saying, dude, you're always late. But this makes sense in hindsight. When it was happening at that oh, point yeah, of it's, time, it's, what did it feel like? Like, it, people stop talking to you? Are you it didn't feel great and I don't blame them, right? Because if you're not an entrepreneur, you don't understand it, yeah. right? So I, I don't blame them. And look, I think eventually I said, once I sold my company, I'm going to be the first one at every party. By the way, I'll reach before the host, right? <laughs> to make up for all those four and a half years that I was late everywhere. <laughs> and people forget and things change and, and goes back to normal, right? But but I think it was all worth it. It was absolutely all worth it. I think it makes a big difference when your mindset is for creation, when your mindset is something greater than... But it's a weird feeling. I'll tell you why, right? Because you're making all these sacrifices without a surety that you'll achieve success. Mm. Like there was no time in 2017 or 2018 that I was like, oh, I'm going to definitely hit out of the park. Nah, I'm but killing still, this. In a... But you're still taking these sacrifices. So the feeling is very weird when you're not achieving, right? It's like you worked for 13 hours a day and your company did zero sales that day. You worked your ass off and nothing happened, right? That's really tough. That's really, really tough. And you know, that feeling, that emotion, that like, I'm totally worthless or useless and I'm not getting anything done. That's something I felt and not everyone understands that feeling. And so when I exited my business, I was clear that something I want to help entrepreneurs with. So give my time pro bono to entrepreneurs six hours a week, teach this cohort-based course, have a podcast, do all of those things to at least bridge that ecosystem support gap because these are very complex feelings. And if you've not been through the journey, you can't feel it. Absolutely. You can't understand it. We're going to take a quick break. See you on the other side. Welcome back. All right, let's jump into the conversation. But what do you do when you feel like that? Like I know people might be feeling something like this in their life. What are the things that you did at that point of time to get out of that feeling? Look, I think a very strong support system is important for an entrepreneur. It could be friends, it could be partner, it could be spouse, it could be family. For me, it was, I had my partner in the business with me, but family, Hmm. they understood, right? Because my dad's an entrepreneur as well. They understood what you're going through, the stress, the emotion, the angst, the anxiety. I mean, I've gone through all of it. And I'm, and you've probably seen him go through it as well. Yeah, he was better at dealing with it because I saw him deal with it or understood him deal with it when he was much older. Hmm. I feel like Arjun Vedya at 26 was very different from Arjun Vedya at 29. is very different from Arjun Vedya at 31, right? I don't panic as much as I used to. I remember the first time the wrong MRP was printed on my product, I freaked out. 
Now, our business was only online selling in a clinic. And so we had all the stock with us. And so the solution to that problem was sent back to the factory, redo the labeling of the batch and bring it back, right? Hmm. But I panicked, I freaked out. I called my dad. I was like, this happened. I can't believe this happened. He's like, dude, hold on, relax. All the stock is with you. It's not gone to any customers. Just relabel it and send it back. What's the big deal, right? And I think that that's something that you learn along the way. You get better at it. You get more mature. Once you see something the second time or the third time, you're like, okay, I've seen this before. <laughs> um, and so when founders tell me, hey, like I had this issue, this thing broke, that thing broke. Now I view it with much more calmness, but I still understand their stress, anxiety and emotion, right? Have you ever had something that was so mission critical that went wrong? Like, for example, these are things that you could connect or correct. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I had like something. Shit properly hit the fan. Yeah, so this was, I would say December 2017. Yeah, December 2017. In Gujaratis, we have that Kankotri writing ceremony for our wedding. So, wedding was Feb 2018. So, December 2018, we had this puja at home. 50, 60 people from the family. The puja starting. And my factory manager calls me three times. Mm. Friends, I keep your phone away. It's your wedding. Like you're preparing for a wedding. And I had taken a half day off on a work day. So I was already pissed. (laughs) I just hate, I hate taking off. Like even now when I work as an investor, I don't take time off. I just Mm. don't like taking time off. Mm. So I was already in a bad mood that I'd taken time off and people had come late and I was like, come on, let's start the puja. I need to be back at the office by 3 p.m. (laughs) And he told me, hey, by the way, we've lost electricity at the factory mm. because we don't have this one pollution license, which I honestly didn't know anything about. And so we can't do production for the next few days until we get that pollution license and go through the whole thing. Now, I freaked out, but you have to sit through the puja mm. and you can't do anything about it. That was probably the toughest time I went through. Sit through one and a half hours, eat lunch, smile at people, and inside you're burning, saying, What am I going to do about this now? You learn to deal with it. I couldn't deal with it then, I'll mm. be honest. I don't know if I'll be able to deal with something like that now, but it was tough. That was really hard. But like now, with age, wisdom would have come in. I don't what know. Would, what I, would this I, I, I think <laughs> I got better. Huh? Look, people, I preach, right? I say, as an entrepreneur, you have to have thick skin, grit, resilience, deal with failures. I, I preach all of these things, right? Still a 5 or 6 on 10 at dealing with failure, Mm. which is better than being a 2 or 3 or 10 when I started. Once you get better, but I'm not there yet. I can keep getting better, right? I think so. Like the way that, for example, hardcore entrepreneurs, dad, your dad, nothing phases them, right? Exactly. They've seen so much. We not had any sales in two months. No worries. Sales will happen. Been Life through the cycles, go, right? Cash flow. We don't have any money. Don't worry. Money will happen. We are panicking. Accountant is panicking. They're like cool cutlets. Yeah. And, and I think that comes. But it's a process that keeps iterating. And you keep improving, but it's gradual. Like I saw with myself as well. As issues came along, I got marginally better at dealing with them. But it's that like, you get 1% better every time you do it. So over a period of time, you can get You have to have lots of mistakes in order to become better. But that's every day. Yeah. That's every single day. Dude, how do you deal with the firefighting? Like, for example, like I'm doing your D2C course right now, yeah. right? And I'm and you seeing, see, I'm you seeing see everyone's happening, right? having like so many issues. And it's a My constant. Facebook account is banned. My packaging supplier didn't give me packaging in time. My product's not made in time. But look, I think 
one thing I heard a founder say once, he said, if I go to sell something to someone and they say, yes, the first time there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like I cannot get success so easy, right? And I think for me in life all through, you know, growing up as well, I was a kid who had a hand-eye coordination problem. I love sports, suffered from asthma. Because I had a hand-eye coordination problem, I wasn't good at sports. I had to be good at academics. <laughs> but I can't read. I went through my entire school life, studied international relations, including politics, history, sociology in college. I have not read a book cover to cover since Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And if I have to read a book cover to cover, it takes me ages. I have a concentration problem. Hmm. So going through all this, I realized, like, if I have to get should through... should have sent you an audiobook of this instead right now. I will get through it, but it'll take me so long that by the time I meet you, eight months later, I've got through the book, okay. right? Hmm. And so I realized very early on that I'll have to work much harder than everybody else. There are those smart workers and there's those hard workers and you can't change the way you've been built. And so that's life for me. I, I remember because I couldn't play cricket because of the dust in the cricket field in my asthma, I used to play squash when I was a kid. I was the earliest on the squash scene. At age five or six, <laughs> I was playing squash. So by the time I was like 10, 12, I'd put in like four or five years in this sport, right? And people would come and they'd start playing and six months they'd beat me. Hmm. Like I'd start by like crushing these people, right? Because they didn't know how to play the sport and six months they'd beat me. Hmm. And that was tough. So hard to deal with. I'm like, what am I doing on this court for five years, six years and not getting it? So I, I think that I was trained mentally that it's not going to come easy. And you've got to put much more effort than anybody else. Mm. So you become okay with effort. I'm okay with effort. I put in more effort than anyone else in anything I do and I'm totally fine. Nothing comes easy and that's fine. Let's understand this aspect a little bit more because um, I was just having a discussion with somebody else on the podcast and they were talking about how nowadays effort is seen as something bad. If you're putting too much effort means something's wrong with you. Actually, effort is what is needed for success. Look, I think if you look at there was that famous India cricket win in 2003 NatWest series, right? And we were down and out and five wickets down. I had turned off the TV as well. We had to chase something like 300. And then these two young lads, Yuvraj Singh and KF, won us the match. And that's like the time when Saurav Ganguly took off his T-shirt on the balcony and he was like waving his shirt and all that stuff, right? To win that NatWest series. Those two batsmen are... Exactly what I'm going to tell you now. Yuvraj Singh, probably one of the most talented, naturally talented, gifted cricketers ever. And he lived his life as a naturally talented, gifted cricketer. He didn't have to go and practice 12, 15 hours a day because when he hit the ball, it stayed hit. Hmm. And the other guy, Mohamed Kef, if you watched him bat, it wasn't pleasing to the eyes. He was always fidgeting. His technique was really bad. When the ball was moving, you could see it was so tough for him. But he did so well for India as well, right? And there are the Kefs, the Pujaras, the Dravids of the world that are not as standard as the Sachins and the Sehwags and the Yuvrajas of the world. But you find your way. And you have to find your way. And, and if you look at the corollary to us living our lives, right? I have accepted that nothing comes easy. I may not be the most naturally talented, gifted person. But I know that I've trained myself that if I have to put in the effort, I can put in more effort than you. So, for example, even football, right? I tried out for my school football team every year from 3rd to 10th grade. 
I didn't make it even once hmm. the school football team. Not even once. Started playing football. I love the sport though. I just love the sport. Right? But the good part about US education is you can play at any level and you will find people to play with you. So we used to play this intramural soccer like internally among students and we used to play the mid-level. Hmm. And I had all these friends of mine who were really good. And I was okay, you know. But I'm a runner. And so I knew one thing that for the 60 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it played, I could stay on the field and have gas for those entire 40 minutes. And so I started getting better and better at football. And then I moved back to Bombay and, and football had just started, these turfs started coming up and stuff. And so I started playing in Bombay. And then it became one and a half hour games, right? And they were not competitive games anymore. They were like, you play two times a week, three times a week. And I just kept going, kept playing, kept going, kept playing. And I couldn't do all those tricks and stunts and all of those sort of the fancy stuff fancy moves those sleek moves I couldn't do any of those but what I could do was stay on the field for one and a half hours not get substituted and have gas so much gas that I could go for a jog after I played right and so 30 minutes into the game 40 minutes into the game and everyone is dead and exhausted I have gas and I can keep going right and so I found my way to do it and I couldn't play a striker and that was fine I played as a defender but I found my way to do it and for me that, I mean, it's a guilty pleasure, but the joy of eventually being better than those guys who made the school football team that I didn't was bittersweet at the end. Yeah, they're panting on the ground. You're yeah, like yeah. doing jumping jacks saying, yeah. come on guys, come get on, out. Keep going, yelling at them <laughs> saying, come on, you got to run, man. What's going on? <laughs> All right. So that was part one with Arjun Vedya. And we are going to now deep dive into the different learnings that he's had from people on his podcast, from learning about sports and his experience as an entrepreneur. So stay tuned to part two. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Ashtin Doc on Twitter and Instagram. You can find lots more information on my website, awesome180.com or check out different content on my YouTube channel called A-W-E-S-O-M-E-1-8-0. That's Awesome 180.